Hey, hey, everybody. It's Allison Kaskowski. Thank you so much for tuning into this edition of the Ultimate Journey of Self-Care on this Tuesday morning. I hope that wherever you are, you're doing something fun and positive for yourself because that's really what we talk about here. It's all about what's good for you. So it's March and, you know, March is National Nutrition Month, like I like I sort of alluded to last week. And what I what I really want to make the focus this month is how we can tie in anything nutritional re, nutritionally related to how we do us. And I, and I want to do this for a couple of reasons. But one is, and if you listen to my episode last week, um, you know, I got into a little bit of the subject of what are actually foods that are good for boosting metabolism, because if you look in the media and the news and whatever you follow, there's no shortage of information out there about what's the right diet plan, what's the right plan to help me with my metabolism, what's the right plan to help me shed this extra weight. And this is why we don't usually use the word diet, at least that's not what I like to teach. And so I'm really excited to have my guest today, who she and I were able to connect online. My guest today is Lisa Kilgore. She is a registered holistic nutritionist, and she has a book out called Undieting, which we're actually going to talk about, which I love the concept of undieting. So Lisa, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me, Allison. No problem. I'm glad we were able to work this out. So, so you're a holistic nutritionist. So explain a little bit about what that is. Yeah, because it, it it's a little different than your average nutritionist. Right. So I look at you and I look at food in a holistic way or in a um, whole body kind of way. Uh-huh. So I don't give a diet for a condition. I help you look at all of your symptoms, everything that your body is saying, and find a way of eating that works inside your life and inside your lifestyle and inside what you enjoy. Uh-huh. And when we w- look at things that way, you're no longer on a diet. You're, you know how to feed your body. You know what feels good. And that I feel is the gentlest and easiest path to a healthy lifestyle. Oh, I love that because you're, you're obviously keeping the whole concept of self-care in mind rather than this is something I have to do. It's how can I best do this to look after me? Absolutely. Because your body is your very best friend. It's your best ally. Totally. And when we tune into our body and use it as a means to guide us to what feels good, then we are, we're not having to push against our body. I find a lot of diets, especially fad diets, uh-huh. like the keto diet or any of the big ones that have been out for the last 20 years, um, they make you willpower over your cravings, your likes and dislikes and your own lifestyle to do something that is different. And our body, while being our best friend, it's also our body always wins. And one of the reasons why none of these diets are sustainable is that your body will eventually in a moment of exhaustion say, you know, remember those cookies? I really, really yeah. like I've had enough, right? (laughs) Totally. And so it's an on or off thing. And then we feel guilty that we couldn't sustain this because that whatever health expert recommended it, recommends it like it's, it's totally sustainable, but that's the big lie. It's never going to be sustainable. Your body will always win. Yes. I find a gentler way is to let your body win by using it as a guide and looking at your cravings and your symptoms and your likes and dislikes as a guide to find mind, what is the best way to feed your body? Yes, totally. I absolutely love everything about what you just said, because I get so many questions, not just from 
clients and, and, and people that are in all of our programs, but just people in general, like friends and people that I know about, well, I was reading about this, this particular diet. What do you think of that? And, you know, and my response is always, well, what do you think of it? Absolutely. And I'm, I get the same question a lot too. And the gentlest answer I give is, eh, it's probably okay, but is it what your body needs? And then there are a handful of diets that I just scream, please run away from these will mess with your whole met- metabolic s- system. Totally. And, totally. And- well, and you know, the, the whole idea of using the word diet just simply means a quick fix. You know, it's, it's there, in other words, there's a beginning and there's an end. And, and when I reached my goal, I could go back to what I was doing. Absolutely. Uh, But they also can be attractive at times. Sometimes it it can feel easier to just follow a prescription plan than it is to find out what your own method is. When undieting involves you becoming your own leader. And that is a hard uh, um, change, especially if you have a big history of dieting and your brain is so used to just following instructions, it struggles and pushes back when you're actually sitting and eating a cookie and enjoying it. Uh, your brain can say, wait a second, what are you doing? This is a carbohydrate. Why are you eating that? Uh-huh. And when we actually sit and eat our craving in a conscious, uh, present kind of way, we Uh start to understand why the body wanted in the first place. And then we can find maybe a whole food version of that or increase the starchy vegetables in our diet. So our body is getting what it needs, what it's looking for in that cookie. We only get that feedback if we do it with love and presence and self-care. Well, that's one of the things that, that, that I talk about a lot in my programs is, is that the most important, all food is all the, the information that we get basically in our body is just feedback. You know, it's just, it's information. I mean, our body's basically telling us what it thinks of what we eat. Absolutely. And so a lot of, a lot of, I think what's missing in the, in the eating space, if you will, in the nutrition space is this, this idea that, you know, learn to be a detective, learn to investigate, learn to, you know, ask questions and say, wow, last time I ate that, this is what I felt like. Where is that coming from? I 100% agree with you. It, it, it's, and it's such a freeing way to eat as well. And yeah. because you're not just using willpower, you're not feeling guilty. It's really an investigative work. This is mm-hmm. how I changed my diet from an incredibly processed, all sugar filled diet to the one that I have now. And I eat like you would expect a holistic nutritionist to eat. But I did this slowly over time. I made every change when I felt comfortable making it. And that made every single change permanent. Yeah. But I also know exactly how to feed my body. Uh, right now, carbohydrates are out of style, um, but my body is run by them. It's fueled by them. And right. so I regularly eat root vegetables. I regularly have whole grains in my diet. And you, would, you wouldn't expect that because as the nutritionist, I'm supposed to run with all the fat diets and I should be telling you carbs are bad, but no, not for everybody. And some bodies just need a balance of nutrients and macronutrients that may not be what, what is fashionable. at the Right. Time. And a lot of what I like to talk about is, is that um, carbs are our body's primary source of energy, but it's, it's worded that way because it's the most efficient way for us to get energy. That's not to say that we can't have protein and fat, you know, depending. I mean, it just takes more energy for our body to break protein down than it does to break carbs down. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't have any or we should limit what we have. You know, again, I think that 
that is a really a big fault of the dieting space because they 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 give you these messages that this is uh, this is bad to eat and this is good to eat almost like you could have a conversation with your food you know absolutely and one thing that i hear a lot from people is well doesn't don't potatoes just turn into sugar in in your bloodstream oh i, I know and, i hear that too <laughs> and the short answer is yes but so does every single uh, fruit and vegetable, including the non-starchy one. Broccoli will turn into glucose. Protein, 50% of protein turns into glucose. Uh-huh. It's not about what turns into glucose. We need glucose to run our body like you totally. just said. It's how quickly does it turn into glu- glucose? And potatoes are full of fiber. They're full of nutrients. They're full yes. of vitamin C. They're, they're so nutrient dense that they slowly work their way over. And if your body is particularly sensitive to carbohydrates, adding some healthy fat, like some butter on your potatoes, will slow that down even further. Because what we need is a steady trickle of glucose. Right. But this low carb thing we've been doing for 20 years has made all carbs bad. And so we have these desperate sugar cravings. And it's uh-huh. the refined white sugar that goes into our bloodstream too quickly and can trigger inflammation and insulin resistance. Right. And this, and the, and also too, you hit on a really good point that I just want to circle back to. It's this, this obsession with, with quality. I know in, in the U S in general, you know, we're value, you know, we're value conscious and, you know, I can't think of a better example to use than, and I tell my college students this all the time is, you know, we drive through a fast food window and you can biggie size your meal for less than what it is to actually get a salad or something else that's considered to be a better choice. And that really just speaks to portion because, you know, we are, our brains are wired to, well, I can get that for this price. So that must be better for me. And it also speaks to food politics. The, the lobbyists have done a really great job at subsidizing all of the ingredients that went into that supersized meal. Yeah. But they haven't subsidized uh, lettuce and vegetables. And when we choose to, when we have space in our budget, if we, we have the privilege of, the, of space in our budget to choose how we spend our food dollars and we spend it on um, whole food, fruits and vegetables, if we spend it on local farmers, we're voting with our dollar to encourage more of that. Yes. When we supersize our meal, we're encouraging fast food play, uh, joints to um, pressure their lobbyists, to pressure the government to keep those subsidies going yeah. so they can keep the price so darn low and yeah. still make a profit. And we as consumers can help shift that by where we spend our money if it is in your budget to do so. And, and yeah. that isn't the case for everybody, especially- well, I, I think- I think it's really important to look at it, you know, like you say, where your dollars go and do you buy, do you actually buy local? Do you support local? Do you, you know, support the local farmers and, and how are you able to do that? You know, we're so driven by convenience and what's easy that often people don't think like that. And it doesn't take your entire budget. Um, Michael Pollan, one of my favorite authors, um, he does a lot of research into food politics. And he says that 10%, if you spent 10% of your food budget on local farmers, that will make an enormous difference in the quality and the quantity of the local produce in your area. Uh, What I do every summer is I buy what's called a community supported agriculture box. And Uh basically, what it is, is I, I uh, have a local farmer that I support and I pay him in, um, I pay his family in the spring for my veggies in the summer. And, and I've done this for as long as I've had space in my budget to do this. And um, I get freshly picked vegetables all summer long and he gets money when he needs it, which is yeah. awesome. So it's a win-win for both of you. 
Yeah. And, and I, and I, I was really reluctant to do this for a few years, wondering like, well, I use all those veggies. Will I eat them? This is, this is a stretch for my budget. And, but once I did it once I realized the savings because I was getting organic vegetables picked that day for less than the price of the grocery store, organic vegetables. So it was like, wow, this is a serious win-win. Yeah, completely. it's this easy way I'm supporting my, I'm putting 10% of my food budget into the local farmers and and I don't have to work very hard. It's still really convenient because he delivers it to my house. Yeah. Well, Um, you, you can't ask for much more than that. No, exactly. And that's not available in every area, but in North America, it's available in most areas. And I live in a very small town. I have 5,000 people. And I, for, for a long time, had a farmer in my town. He's now moved to a larger city, but still delivers to my town. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. I love that. We have an organization around here called the Produce Box, which is a lot like what you describe. It all supports local farmers. I've been a member for, gosh, the last several years. And every Tuesday I get a box and I can go online and pick what I want. And and, um, and it's just, it's great. It's It's a way to support the local farmers. Isn't it amazing? Yeah, and I, totally. Once I started doing it, I have no interest in ever going back. Yeah. So let's, let's talk for a minute about this, um, how we can view you know, intuitive eating, if you will, or, you know, a way to have a relationship with our food as a form of self-care, because I know that, you know, there are a lot of people who are stress eaters, who are emotional eaters, who do it really as a form of therapy, if you will. But food is really, I've always believed food is an experience and it should be something, you know, eating should be something that we enjoy. Absolutely. And dieting culture has really tried to steal that from us. Right. Uh, I'm in my mid forties and I've li- dieting culture has been a part of my entire life. And that's the case for most people alive right now. Yeah. And, and dieting culture tells us that we we need to eat a certain way, not necessarily what we want to eat and, and enjoyment is almost been vilified and uh-huh. in enjoyment when we really sit and enjoy food we you can feel the repercussions and the experience of it uh, I I believe that that food shouldn't be good or bad and shouldn't be um, we shouldn't have food that we simply can't eat. And so um, in my world, I love chocolate cake. And in my world, I can eat chocolate cake any day that I want. And because of that, I don't. Because it's not because I don't say I can never have it when uh-huh. it's around. I don't dive in headfirst because that's what happens when we deprive ourselves of something. Oh yeah, we become obsessed with what we can't have. It's like the forbidden fruit, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. And and so because chocolate cake isn't forbidden, I can eat it anytime I want if I have a craving, which I had this weekend, and I made this amazing chocolate lava cake, and I sat and enjoyed it, and uh, I really felt the, the full experience, and the full experience was the first half was delightful and the second half was way too much. And Uh, then I felt tired and grumpy for the rest of the day because I had too much sugar. And I don't feel an urge to have that chocolate cake anytime soon because uh of that presence and that awareness that I ate it when I wanted it. And I noticed the full effect that next time I I make this, I'll share it with my partner because he had the same reaction of it was just too much. And um, maybe it will be months from now before I have that craving again. Yeah. Instead, I was indulging in a guilty pleasure and I, and I was racked in guilt as I ate it, that I shouldn't be eating this, then I would have missed out on all of that feedback. Yeah, it, it more or less, it steals that, it steals your joy. It steals that pleasant experience that you're just talking about. 
Yes. And sometimes that's all the body's looking for is that it was looking for some pleasure. And if, if you don't enjoy that pleasure of pleasurable food with pleasure, your body's going to keep craving it. Yeah. I could have easily, like I, I bet if I had eaten it without pleasure and full of guilt, then I would have still wanted some because my body's like, where is vitamin P? I, I was missing some pleasure. That's what I was asking for. Vitamin P. I love that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> What a creative way to look at that. <laughs> well, and, and it is so important because like my, my diet is mostly full of whole foods. I eat lots and lots of vegetables and I miss them when they're gone. Uh-huh. Uh, and I eat the chocolate lava cake when I want it. And these can live inside a healthy life. I know without a shadow of a doubt, I've worked with thousands of people at this point. I've been a nutritionist for 13 years. I know without a shadow of a doubt that a holistic uh, way of looking at your food where you eat a lot of healthy food, but it's not a hundred percent perfect is the healthiest way. Yeah. A hundred percent perfect diet isn't, isn't necessarily good for your body. Your body is still missing that pleasure. Yeah. And it's just, and it's not really realistic either for so many people. It's not. And, and, and just like my old diet, which was entirely refined sugar, that wasn't good for me either. Mm -hmm. And so it's about finding that balance. And um, when you, when you start kind of tuning into your body and noticing what your body really likes, craving vegetables actually happens. I used to think broccoli tasted like dirt and now I eat it three or four times a week and I miss it when it's gone. Yeah. And it's all because of the slow changes, these slow shifts and just being open to, okay, body, what is it that you'd like right now? Yeah. And it's, and it's paying attention to what you're thinking about it at the time, you know, and making sure you're associating, you know, taking a moment and associating what it is that you're thinking with what you're eating. You know, and I think, I think for a lot of people, they miss that step because they want immediate, you know, to use your word, they're looking for something to make them feel good because they're not getting it from something else. Yeah, absolutely. But when you're following a diet, you have to willpower over all of those feelings because you may want to eat. Maybe you've had a really hard day or a really hard week. And what you want is a, is a meal that, that you've always enjoyed. And that just feels really comforting, but your meal plan says you need to eat something different. Uh Well, that, that is negating this, this feeling that your body is looking for. And we have like, there's a lot of comfort meals that can be incredibly healthy. And then there's a lot of comfort meals that, that bring in something healthy, which is simply that comfort and pleasure and both can live inside a healthy life. So let me just ask your professional opinion on this. What, how would you define healthy eating? Ooh, that's a really great question. I don't know if I've ever been asked that I define healthy eating as eating in a way that your body feels balanced, that you have energy, you feel good, you have a clear head and a clear mind, and you enjoy everything that you're eating. So from, so if we approach it with a, with a dose of, to use your word, vitamin P, I love that. I'm going to steal that. I think, you know, if we look at healthy eating with a healthy dose, if you will, no pun intended of vitamin P, what's the best way you think to explain that in a way that really lands? The way that I I invite people to start this process is to first notice what food do you like to eat, what food feels really good, and when you stay present, um, I, it's this is a little I, I live in on the West Coast, so this is a little woo, but it's what foods make your body light up, and you uh-huh. need 
notice that at first. Like that's not a feeling your body might give you, or you might not even know how to tap into it yet. And that's okay. So the first way in is what do you like the taste of? What do you enjoy? And what feels satisfying? And just start noticing that. You don't need to know why one feel one uh, meal feels satisfying and another one does at first, or why sometimes one feels satisfying and the same meal doesn't another day. Uh-huh. All you want to do at first is notice what keeps you full for many hours and what doesn't, Uh, what, what gives you that like nice satisfied feeling without draining your energy and what Uh doesn't. And when you can, when you start finding those connections, you start automatically going towards the foods that feel more satisfying and you get away from the foods that you don't and your body will want the more whole foods. So it's, it's without even trying, you are guiding yourself into more whole foods. Yeah. Well, let's, let's try to relate this back to the concept of metabolism. Cause I'm, I'm, I've always been interested in metabolism in general. Um, and you know, and part of my six step fit life system involves a component, which, which I call energy eating. That's how we teach it. And, you know, the, the goal in any eating plan, I think professionally and personally too, is to have a flexible, adaptable metabolism. So to, to paraphrase what you were saying about, you know, eating healthy, having a dose of vitamin P, being able to be really connected in terms of what you're thinking about how you're eating. What would, what do you think, what is your professional thought on how to relate this back to, you know, the concept of telling people, well, this is good for your metabolism too. Absolutely. And this is a conversation that's been happening a lot inside um, my world. Um, So Uh I have a nutrition hub called Your Beautiful Life. And a lot of the women that are in it are looking for weight loss. And so what we've been doing is shifting that that way of looking at it that's a bit more metabolism friendly. Uh So when we think about weight loss, we think about reducing the amount of food that we eat. And when when we reduce the amount of food that we eat, that tends to reduce our metabolism. It slows our body down our body's like oh there isn't enough energy for me to burn let me Uh what I recommend is shifting the way you look at it and and think of instead I want to get stronger when you when your body is looking to get stronger then you make different decisions first of all you you do things that might make you stronger like fit a a fitness routine some right and then you need to fuel your body in a way to make more muscle and Uh do that you need to eat food and we need to eat a lot of food to build muscle and so then you start instead of reducing the amount of food you're eating you're increasing the amount of food you're eating in certain ways and that automatically um brings up your your metabolism because your body's like yeah nice more extra yeah well you know the important thing too to remember and i'm so glad you said this is that you know it's the whole you know if you move more then you should eat more, you know, the more active you are, the more you should be eating. Absolutely. And what, what's coming out um, uh, from the research is how, how much our body struggles on something like a 1200 calorie a day diet yes, is considered yes. an ultra low calorie diet. And, and in my world, when people come to see me, they have spent years where that is seen as the maximum to eat, not the bare 
bare minimum if you're sitting on the couch all day. Yeah. Our bodies are our bodies, even as women um, need closer to 2,500 to 3000 calories, especially if you're adding exercise. Yeah. The idea of calories is incredibly problematic. And that that actually isn't a good way of judging how much food you eat, because you're how that food is prepared and what the state of your gut bacteria will determine whether or not or how much energy you get out of that food in the first place. So calories are are a problem right from the get-go. But if we use that as the kind of the only way we can have a conversation about the energy we get from our food, we need to eat more when you move more. I, I yeah. love that t- statement because it's really, really true. And I work with so many people who are struggling at either a a plateau of either their weight or their strength and it's, or, and they're starving. And it's always Uh like, well, you need to double what you're doing right now. Yeah. And, and, and what I always like to say is if you're hungry all the time, that's feedback your body's giving you. So what does that suggest? That suggests that you're probably either a not getting enough food, B you're not eating enough at meals, if you will, or C you're probably waiting too long to eat. Absolutely. And when uh, you're looking to get stronger, your body needs energy to make that muscle and yes. making it from your tissue. And you'll watch your body shape change while you eat a lot. And when you're hungry, like I'm working on getting stronger right now. And I've noticed that, especially the day after a, a big, a good strength training routine, I'm really hungry. And so I abide by that. Like what, how can I fuel and feed myself in a way that, that, satisfies that hunger. Um, if I didn't, then my body might start slowing down because that signal. Yeah, totally. And, you know, and our muscles literally burn calories all day long and think about every, I mean, I'm not talking just about your muscles. I mean, there's muscle everywhere in our bodies and, you know, the more active we are, the more our muscles, we're asking our muscles to do more work. So we, we, we have to keep feeding them. Absolutely. And we, we burn muscle easier than we burn fat. Yes. So on an ultra low calorie diet, anything under that 1500 calorie uh, mark, and that's pretty much every diet that's sold on the market, especially the ones that involve a lot of products, they're always under 1500 calories, you are losing a lot of muscle. And so when you go off this diet, your metabolism's a little slower because your body wants to get that energy back. Yeah. And you gain back usually uh, fat weight instead of muscle weight. And that will change your shape. And that's why so many people after following a diet, they're back to their old weight, but they're not the same size. Well, and and I think too, when people focus on just losing the weight, you know, if if they've really restricted their calories and then to compensate, you know, your, their bodies have, you know, gotten energy from, you know, some of their muscle stores, then probably initially what they're going to notice um, is a couple things is that they may not be as hungry because their metabolism has actually been lowered. And two, even if they've lost weight, once they start eating again, they're going to put some of it back on. Absolutely. And this is why research has found that 95% of diets fail. And I use yeah. fail in quotation marks, but you can't see me. So <laughs> that's yeah. and, and the failure isn't, isn't human's fault. Like when 95% of people fail and the definition of failure is what you gain back the weight that you've lost within a year. Yeah. Uh, the, that is, that is a failure of the program. Not totally. As a human, if, if it was 5% of people fail, well, maybe that was just not the wrong thing for their body, but it's 95%. This means it's not, it doesn't work for humans, but we don't get that programming. We instead 
feel like we're the failure that we can't make this work. And that's where tuning into your body and undieting can be so helpful. Yeah. I love, I love that phrase undieting. And, and you, you have a book that you just came out with last fall, right? Yes. It's called undieting freedom from the bewildering world of fad diets. And in it, I, um, I spend the first half talking about, um, it's a bit bit of info based. So the first half is talking about the macronutrients and why we need all of them, how to shop a grocery store and and get out feeling like you've done a good job of finding whole foods. But I also get into a lot of the food politics because I find I feel that if we understand the sinister reason for these guidelines or for these lobbies or for why we're told to um, eat eat less saturated fat instead of actual foods, um, then we, it's easier to understand when something new comes out, what might be behind it. And I've seen, and I feel, and I, and the research shows this, that when we go back to a more traditional way of eating, something that our grandmothers, great grandmothers, grandparents would have known and understood, uh-huh. then we don't need to do the counting anymore. Our bodies will find balance because it's the type of food our bodies understand. Yeah. When a food has been manufactured and refined, um, even if it's within the style of our current um, guidelines, which right now is high protein, low carbs, that refined food is still really hard on our body. Yeah. So the first oh, and it's just, it's style. just being open to a different school of thought too. And you know, I think depending on what news outlet you tune into or what media you consume or whatever, I mean, there's obviously not a shortage of information when it comes to nutrition and eating and really diet plans in general, you know, there's, there's a bit of that unlearning to, you know, Mm-hmm. reference your word undieting, there really needs to be some unlearning of that too. Absolutely. And so I spend the second half of the book is all about how to learn to understand your body and your and what it's trying to say. And so I have a whole chapter on cravings and how to decipher your cravings to understand oh, fabulous. why do you crave chocolate? Why do you crave salt? Why do you crave sugar? What is your body really looking for? What is that language? Uh-huh. I get into the digestive system and how to understand your digestive symptoms and find balance. I get into energy because we are in an energy deficiency state right now. Uh-huh. How to find uh, balance in your body and, and bring back the energy, and then how to bring pleasure back into your life. That vitamin P. How do you uh, um, eat with pleasure again when you've spent so long trying trying something else? And yeah, so, I love it. It sounds like, great. It sounds like it's such a good, um, you know, not not just proposing, you know, that this is the way you should do it, but it 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 sounds like it's coming from a, a place of service and education, which. I think it's really lacking right now in the market. I, I, I was really happy when the publisher came to me, uh, it was about a year and a half ago and said, Hey, do you want to write a bu- book on undieting? And it's the only book I wanted to write. And they let me do it exactly the way I wanted to do it. And I'm oh, really, fabulous. I'm so grateful for that too. And they encourage like when, when I was like, well, should we talk about food politics? Or like, if you can back it up, we'll talk about it. I'm like, well, is this is this getting a bit too like woo. And they're like, no, 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 this is good. Like people need to understand this. They do. And knowledge yeah. is power. You know, mm-hmm. knowledge is, is power. Absolutely. And, and right now you can um, get it at, at all target stores in the US. Um, or if you want more information, you can go to undieting.ca. And I have a bit more info on what my book is, but also where you can get it online. But I'm also really grateful it's actually in stores and target. Uh, so it's a bit more available than it would be. I'm just a lowly Canadian. <laughs> so <laughs> did a really good job. No, I think that's great. It sounds like it's really accessible too, which obviously is important too. So 
Yeah, I, I did. I did my best to write it in a way that's easy to to read. Um, it's a full color book, so there's pictures of all through it. Um, so it's not this like stale, dry thing. You yeah, have to, try to get through just that. never ending like, manuscript almost, right? Yeah, exactly. I, there's a lot of nutrition books. I'm like, whoa, I'm really interested in this topic, but man, this is dry. Yeah. So I, <laughs> yeah, I'm like help me out here. Way. Can I get to the end? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So this is, this has really been just really enlightening. And I just, I always love to hear other, other professionals um, philosophy when it comes to, you know, eating and nourishment and energy eating and all that, just because there's just so much misinformation that's out there. Let's say someone out there has someone in my audience is listening and they're thinking, you know, this is something that's really making sense for me, but, but how, what can I do today? That's going to help move me forward. What, What would you say to that? I, I, there, there are two options I'd love to give um, because some, I, I feel that everybody should go with what feels best for them. So I want, so if it's okay with you, I'm going to give just two quick sure. Uh huh. So the first one is I would recommend at some point today to sit and really enjoy and taste a meal and just like notice how the texture feels, notice how the taste feels, notice how you feel afterwards. But if that feels too hard, because for some people and many of us, um, we have a lot of trauma related to food and that might be really hard. So the second option is simply add one new fruit and vegetable, like one extra serving today or tomorrow. And when we add food into our diet, instead of removing, like most diets say, take out sugar. Right, right. It focuses more on removing. Yeah. And that just leaves a whole bunch of holes that you have to willpower over and like catapult over at every meal. Uh Instead, if you focus on adding and adding fruits and vegetables is usually my first place because they give so much energy, you start squishing out a whole bunch of other stuff. And I've watched this play out for 13 years with my clients, the power of adding and just at first, just start with one. And if you're currently at zero fruits and vegetables and you just add one more serving a month at the end of this year, you're going to be eating eight to 10 servings of uh, fruits and vegetables every day easily. And that's with taking two to four months off. I love it. I love the power of adding. What a great concept. Yeah. And it, and it really, really works. And it's, a, it works in a way that doesn't involve willpower. And when you add, just keep, stay open to the feedback, what feels good, what do you like? And just, and when that's easy, add another one. And it's yeah. the fastest way to, to move from a refined diet to a whole food diet. It's the most direct way. And it's the gentle, gentlest way as well. Oh, I love it. I love it. So, so super simple too. So if anyone out there is listening, this is great, great advice. Um, I think this is a fabulous place to begin. So where can people find you, Lisa? That's a great question. So I have a freebie. Um, it's called Five Ways to Eat What You Want. And you can get it on my website, Lisa Kilgore, O-U-R at the end, dot com forward slash freebie. And so you can download um, my free guide there. Um, or if you want more information on my book, just go to undieting.ca. That will point you right to my website. So if you just remember undieting.ca, you can learn more about my book, but you also can get to my blog, which has a bunch of whole food recipes and a lot of my philosophy. There's a lot of blog posts. There's 13 years of blog posts there. Oh, um, fabulous. And you can get to my um, freebie there too. Okay. So undieting CA sounds like the best route to go to get information yes. on your book and everything else. And that's hopefully pretty simple for people to remember. Yeah. And that you don't have to remember how to spell my name when you. Yeah. <laughs> you so undieting.ca. We'll make sure um, 
for anyone out there listening, please check the show notes. Um, all of these links are in the show notes. So it will be easy for you to uh, reach out to Lisa. If you'd like to talk with her further, you'd like more information on any of her programs. I'm sure you can find all that there. Lisa, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me, Allison. I really enjoyed this conversation. No problem. Anytime. We'll have to have you back um, for a future episode. I love having, um, having, you know, guests come back when there's been some time or there's some new trend or whatever, and you know, there's going to be a new trend out there and, and, you know, we can compare notes at that point too. Yeah. We're, we're ripe for a brand new trend. Right. Totally. So, so yeah. So again, if you would like to reach out to Lisa for any information, please check out undieting.ca or you can look in the show notes for her website link as well. And just keep in mind when you go to undieting.ca, it sounds like you can get all of her information there as well. So maybe that'll be easy for you to remember. I just want to take a moment before we sign off. And again, thank you for all of your support of my show. Uh, we are approaching episode 100. And when I started my this started this endeavor um, almost two years ago now, I had no idea how it was going to go. And I just knew that it was something I felt called and compelled to do. And here we are 18 months later, and we're still going strong. Um, we're now in 27 countries worldwide. Um, we reach more people every single week. And that is always my goal, being here in this space. Um you know, bringing you first-class experts and information um, is to hopefully make your journey of self-care not just more meaningful, but to have more balance and purpose for you, because that's really what self-care is. It's not necessarily a destination. It's not something that, you know, we strive to do. It's really a journey, and the journey changes as we change. So I just want to thank you for always tuning in, for helping me spread the message. If there's anyone out there in your world who you feel like needs to hear this episode, please feel free to share that with them as a gift from me. And if you're feeling inspired and are interested in becoming a supporter of the ultimate journey of self-care, please go to my website at cufitness.com. That's the letter C, the letter U, fitness.com and click the podcast tab. And right there, I have, we have, I've created three different ways that you can support our show. And every one of them, um, you get an, a, a variety of free gifts and swag that we will send you in the mail. Um, these are one-time contributions starting as low as $10. That's just if you're feeling inspired. If that's not something that's on your radar, that's fine too. We're still going to be here every week uh, to bring you the very best information that we can. So this is Allison Katzkowski with The Ultimate Journey of Self-Care. If you are not yet in my private Facebook group, please find me there, the Living Your Ultimate Life Through Fitness and Self-Care. We do different challenges and events. And I do a weekly live show in there every Tuesday um, on a different topic. And all during the month of March, we're going to be focused on nutrition and metabolism and eating and energy eating and anything else that you would like to know about. So please always feel free to reach out to me, Allison at cufitness.com. If you just want to simply tell me how everything's going for you, um, I always enjoy hearing from you. So once again, this is Allison Katzkowski with The Ultimate Journey of Self-Care. You are one step closer to living your ultimate life, so make it a good one.